This is the Six Man Show, an Orlando Magic podcast, with your hosts, Luke Sylvia and Jonathan Osborne, covering all things Magic basketball. By fans, for fans. Go Magic. What's going on, Orlando Magic fans? You guys are back with the Six Man Show. It is July 22nd, 2021. As always, you know I'm joined by my co-host, Luke Sylvia. Luke is in new light. Luke, what's up, man? How are you? I uh, I do have the light equipment upgrade, so that's pretty <laughs> exciting. Um, I also was in Disney this past weekend. Jonathan was a the little listeners salty. Are aware. I didn't the listeners are aware. slide him an invite right. uh, to, to Disney, which People you guys forget. heard on the last episode. Right. You have so, anything to say for uh, yourself, or you want to? No, I, I no. really, okay. I really don't. Jonathan was moving, and um, okay. I have no regrets. So there's that. No um, regrets. But uh, but yeah, so I'm I'm excited. I'm excited for our, our guest today, Jonathan, uh, and excited to get into some draft content about a week out from the draft. Well, I'm very glad that you had a great time in Disney. We'll talk more about the no invite later on. But ladies and gentlemen, mm-hmm. we do have a very exciting episode, a special guest for you guys today, Eric Fawcett. You guys might remember he uh, you know, covers the draft, was on with us last year around this time, so we're uh, really excited to bring him back. For those of you who don't know, Eric covers Florida Gator basketball for GatorCountry.com, co-hosts the Florida Basketball Hour podcast. He covers the NBA draft for NBA Canada, Australia, India, and Japan. Eric, welcome back. How are you? Hey, it's good to be back. I mean, last year was super fun. Uh, I, at least, you know, I thought it was. You're having me back, so hopefully you, uh, you feel the <laughs> yeah. same way. Um, but yeah, definitely uh, was able to uh, to get a few uh, Magic fan followers from that that I still talk to uh, to this day. So uh, I know you've got some really passionate listeners. It's great to see how much your guys' show has grown in the last year. And it's uh, super fun to talk about this year's draft, especially after we just see a team like uh, Milwaukee win an NBA championship by drafting really well outside of, uh, you, you know, the one or two or third overall pick uh that's got to be really exciting for for you know the magic who've got uh, got some good picks in this draft so yeah it's uh, it's great to be talking can we talk about that for a moment like last night first of all i i said bucks in seven there was some uh sons in you know five talk on the podcast between <sighs> luke and kevin uh they i i'm not gonna i did waver from that pick so i don't want to be like oh i knew it all along type of deal but man, just what a moment last night as the clock is you know ticking down, Giannis and PJ Tucker hugging after the confetti's falling, Giannis takes a moment to himself, sits back on the on the baseline there, obviously emotional, just that was that was just really awesome to see Eric. How did you see that uh that series playing out? Did it go the way that you thought? Oh man, I I'd love to lie to you, Jonathan, but uh, no, I was uh, I was a Suns and Seven guy before this uh, series. I, I wish I could backtrack and say that I was on the Milwaukee train, um, but I just thought that uh, the way that Milwaukee played offense, or, or sorry, the, the Phoenix played offense, I thought that they were just going to really pick apart uh, the defense of Milwaukee, particularly their drop coverage, the way that uh, the way that the Suns love to use that Spain pick and roll, which has of course become so popular and talked about through this playoffs. I I thought that they were just going to get Brook Lopez running all around the court I thought they were going to get open three after open three and uh, that wasn't the case and of course Giannis was so head and shoulders um, above anyone as the best player on the floor and uh, that's really tough to overcome in, in, in basketball so I should have seen that one coming but uh, but I didn't I thought I thought Phoenix was going to win in seven Luke Giannis dropping the 50 burger last night thoughts I mean I said it I said it last night on Twitter I've been very disrespectful to Giannis 
I have been <laughs> so disrespectful, to be honest. Uh, really, in the last year or two, uh, kind of, you know, Bud, you know, lost a little bit of my respect, getting just absolutely trounced, uh, for lack of a better term, by Miami last year in the postseason. Uh, I think he just got severely outcoached last season and really thought that, that Monty Williams was going to be able to do that. Uh, unfortunately, I think Monty really didn't adjust like I thought he would. Um, it seems like they kind of went up 2-0, and Monty just kind of didn't didn't really adjust as much as I would have hoped. Um, so, yeah, I, I said it last night on Twitter, hats off to Giannis. He, he, he had the 50-piece in uh, a title, title game. And then also went to Chick-fil-A today, uh, saw this on the NBA TikTok, went to Chick-fil-A today and ordered a 50-piece from Chick-fil-A. So good for Giannis. Uh, he's a great dude, um, you know, especially off the court. Just, you know, everybody just has great things to say about him. I think that he gained a lot of people's respect last night, including mine. So I think that was, you know, obviously huge for his legacy. That was kind of the next thing that Kobe Bryant had challenged him with uh, a couple of years ago was, you know, after he said, win MVP, now win the championship. Paul Gasol had a really good, uh, really cool tweet last night just saying he did it with a heart um, on Twitter. And I thought that was a really cool moment uh, to see. So, yeah, hats off to Giannis again. And uh, I take back everything I ever said. Giannis can be the number one option on a championship team. Massive W's all around. I was very disrespectful to Chris Middleton. I will say that about uh, two months ago, while you know they're in the first round, I tweeted that the Bucks are not going to win a championship with Chris Middleton being their legitimate number two and without a closer. And he was both of those things throughout the entire you know playoff run. He was a legitimate number two. He was their closer, you know, multiple times in this uh, playoff run. And I mean, got to give him credit where credit is due. They won the championship. There might be not an asterisk, but I think everyone would agree that this was a very weird season and a very weird playoff run. I'm not trying to discredit the Bucks, so we won't get too into that. You're trying to say it's a Mickey Mouse ring? I'm not saying it's a Mickey Mouse <laughs> ring. I'm not saying that. I'm not trying to, you know, delegitimize anything that either team has done in the the last couple of years here when you know winning the championship. But the the coolest thing to me just to, like to see. Giannis, you know, everything that he's gone through in his life, growing up in Greece, coming to the U.S. as just a honestly a very skinny kid and the growth that he's made not only physically but as a basketball player and just to see the like elation on his face last night was incredible. The coolest story to me was his first season in the league, sending all of his money back to Greece, did this on game day, didn't have enough money for the cab fare and then starts running to the Bucks <laughs> arena found a you know a couple pulled over he got in the back of their Honda Fit if you can picture that and drove him to the arena so super happy when's for the, the documentary fans. coming out do we know is there a documentary oh, in the making there's got to be Woj has already kind of done like a documentary podcast series about Giannis and that right. in, entire draft and everything but I'm sure one day there will be a, a lengthy you know Giannis documentary or, or feature film you know like we saw with LeBron like that was back in the theaters if I if I remember correctly uh, what was it? More than a game, I think was the name of that. Mm. But just awesome to see. And Eric, like you said, you know, small market team. It gives Orlando Magic fans some hope that maybe even in this draft we get our guy, John Hammond. He might get you know, lightning might strike twice. 
and he might <laughs> draft another guy that ends up leading us to the championship. But guys, we brought Eric on the show to talk about the draft. You know, he's, I mean, in, as far as I know, he's a draft expert. You know what I mean? We had him on the show last year. So we're going to get into the draft talk here. Uh, Eric, first thing that I wanted to ask you in terms of like your big board, your draft board, if you just quickly want to go through like your, your top 10. Yeah, sure. Uh, I, I know we want to get to the magic pick, so I won't uh, spend too much time. Uh, no hot takes at number one. Got to be Cade Cunningham, no question. I've got Jalen Green from G Lake Ignite going two. I've got Evan Mobley at three. I've got my Toronto Raptors taking Jalen Suggs at four. Uh, then at pick number five to uh, the Orlando Magic, uh, I have Moses Moody. Um, pick six, I've got Scotty Barnes. Pick seven, Jonathan Kaminga. Pick eight, Keon Johnson. Uh, pick nine, Davion Mitchell. And at number 10, another name that has been thrown a lot or, or thrown around a lot on Magic Twitter, uh, James Booknight. So that's my uh, that's my one to 10. And of course, uh, you can see who I have slotted to the Magic right now. All right. So that's right where we were going to go. The fifth and eighth, eighth pick for the Orlando Magic. So if you can just kind of elaborate why you have Moody going five and then eight Keon Johnson. Sure. I, I think the thing for, for me and, and Moses Moody, and I just want to be kind of clear about this from the top, uh, it's not just that I think that Moses Moody is the best pick for the Magic at five. I truly think he's the fifth best player in this draft. So this is not me expecting them to to reach for a player that, that maybe fits around the core they normally have. Uh, I think he happens to really fit around what they already have in their organization. But I really do think he's the, the fifth best player. Uh, I, I'm just in love with his ability to shoot the ball. And the, the thing with it there is that uh, with a lot of players that you look at, uh, like him who can shoot the ball, uh, and then you look at his wingspan, you don't actually see players like that a lot. So, I mean, he's six foot six. And then he measured with a seven foot wingspan, which is of course super magic at least the way they've drafted recently. Um, however, like we've seen with the magic, usually with guys with that wingspan, shooting the ball is an issue. So, and I mean, you really see that there's all kinds of studies that, that kind of equate having longer wingspans with players struggling to shoot the ball. I mean, you see it with Giannis and then on the other end of the spectrum, one of the greatest shooters of all time, JJ Redick, he's got like a negative three wingspan. And uh, you think about, you know, mechanics shooting the basketball, you want your elbow in, you want that ball to be as close to your body as possible when you go up. So, you know, imagine having a seven foot wingspan versus a negative wingspan. It's a lot easier to shoot with proper technique with shorter arms. So for Moses Moody to shoot the basketball so well, but still have such a long wingspan, you, you just really don't see that many players like that in the NBA. It's a lot more rare than a lot of people think. And then getting into some of the advanced analytics, I know a lot of people think of him as a shooter first, but if you actually look at his statistical profile, uh, he's really a pick and roll ball handler first. And he was one of the best in college basketball last year. Uh, someone who's so dangerous getting to the hoop off pick and roll, always a threat to pull up off the dribble off the pick and roll. Uh, and also someone who can make pretty much every pass. And I think that that's something that's underrated about his game and being six foot six with a seven foot wingspan uh he's able to make those lanes he's able to make all the passes available uh and and that's something that you just wouldn't see from a guard who's not six foot six without a seven foot wingspan so uh, i'm really in love with moses moody he's also someone who's killed the interview game every team seems to love his personality and his mindset and uh yeah i think he's the fifth fifth best player in the draft who also happens to fit really well with the magic and and that's interesting eric because Moody is someone that you know Jonathan and I have both been saying uh, pretty much unequivocally he needs to be number eight the eighth pick for the magic he needs to do it he that needs to be the guy but at five is interesting at five 
uh, shakes up the draft. Like that, that is the first probably pick of the draft. If it goes the way your top four is, that'd be the first pick. The magic would throw everybody for a loop and, you know, maybe not throw us for a loop after, you know, have hearing that from you that you have him five and, you know, maybe he's not a reach. Maybe, maybe he is the guy that the magic could take. And maybe there's a reason we're so in love with him at eight. And that why not, if you're in love with him at eight, three picks sooner, pick him at five. And whatever happens at eight, I mean, you still have good people to choose, players to choose from when it comes to that eighth pick. One thing that's interesting um, about about him is that Moody shoot uh, in college shot 38.7% off the dribble. And, you know, guys that are around that, people might hear that and be like, well, I've never really, I don't really hear that used much, what they shoot off the dribble percentage-wise. But, for instance, Book Knight shoots 33.3 off the off the dribble. Davion Mitchell shoots 43.6% off the dribble, which is considered really good off the dribble. So, Moody is somewhere in the middle there, uh, not to mention the fact that defending, he, he's a good defender. He's got lateral quickness. His length can cover his mistakes. Um, opponents shot the ball 32% uh, against him this past season. So I, I think there's a lot there to be said about Moses Moody, and there's a lot there that you you know have him at five, and that is your official you know mock uh, going into a week from the draft here. Yeah, Eric, I'm like, really that's... interested in – no, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say that's also, uh, Luke, why I, why I had to preface that I truly think he is the fifth best player in the draft because I know that there's going to be people who hear that and say, oh, it's a bit of a reach, but, uh, but uh, you know, maybe that's who you think fits with the best of the magic. So uh, that, I just wanted to, uh, to reiterate, uh, I truly do think he's um, the fifth best player in the draft. And I think that uh, it, looking at some of the other players in that range, um, if you value shot making off the dribble, like you said, movement shooting, the stuff that's gotten players paid recently, the, the toughest skill sets to acquire in in the nba uh i again i'm just i i put him there at five and i feel pretty confident about it i don't feel like it's hot takey i don't feel like i'm swimming against the you know trying to be uh different and and shaking things up it's uh it's really what i feel and i look forward to uh, to revisiting it in a couple of years where we can uh really look at this draft but uh yeah sorry go on go ahead jonathan no no you're sticking to your guns and i really really appreciate that i do find the moody picket five interesting and i wanted to ask you this in terms of his upside right a lot of people are you know all hot about potentially taking Jonathan Kaminga at five largely because of his you know star potential and his upside so what do you project Moody's upside to be because that might be a guy that you know people think like okay he is a really great player right now how much better is he going to get uh, well, the player that I think his like high, high end um, kind of ceiling outcome would be, and I know this is a lofty name, but I would say Bradley Beal, a, a player who again was kind of known as a shooter coming out of college, but when he got to the NBA, uh, turned out to be someone who's more of a pick and roll ball handler. Uh, again, Bradley Beal is someone who's like six foot five with a six foot eight wingspan. He's always a li- he's he's a- Bradley Beal, someone who's bigger than I think a lot of people realize, and uh, Moses Moody's even bigger. I don't think he's got quite as quick of a first step as a Bradley Beal, but. Again, someone who uh, can shoot the ball uh, with size at the the kind of shooting guard position, and also be a, a, a pick and roll ball handler. And uh, again, Bro- Moses Moody is a guy that you that that a lot of people kind of see as a shooting guard. But when you look at his kind of profile and the way that he really plays, it's as a primary initiator, pick and roll ball handler. And of course, when uh, when John Wall went down, you know, last year we started to see Bradley Beal in that pick and roll ball handling role, uh, and that's still kind of they they realized even no matter what guard they put next to him that Bradley Beal was going to be the best option as the primary initiator. So um, I see a lot of uh, similarities to their game. So do I think he's, you know what I lock in, that I think he's going to be as good as Bradley Beal? Uh, No, I would not be that bold. Uh, But I think that's his high-end outcome. And if he ends up being, you know, 
75, 80% of Bradley Beal. Uh, that's still a fantastic player. And then Keon Johnson at eight. Um, what's the reasoning behind that? Is it, are you saying that that might be kind of the next archetype the Magic might be after and he might be the third best behind Kuminga and Barnes and then he would kind of be the last guy left on the board? Or what's your thinking with Johnson at eight? Uh, I think that obviously looking at the way that, that the Magic have valued defense, I think they're going to look and say, oh, this might very well be the best perimeter defender in the class. Uh, his ability to move laterally is just ridiculous. Like He's one of the few guys, well, I shouldn't say few guys, um, I, I enjoy this about a lot of players, but um, he, he really makes watching him play defense fun. There's there's a lot of players that you know you f- find yourself wanting to watch them on the defensive end because you need to check a box when you're when you're scouting them um, but he makes it you know truly fun to watch him play defense and the pride he takes on that side of the floor is just like contagious to his teammates uh, it, it's fun to watch as an observer and I think again he goes to the NBA combine and has a 48 inch vertical uh, I think that's pretty ridiculous and and, and you kind of see that with his first step in the way he's able to get by players and he doesn't have much of an offensive game right now other than straight line drives but he's such a young player and I think that coaches will see uh, uh, well, look at that athleticism. Look at that first step, and uh, look at the fact that his jumper hasn't totally developed yet. Was like, well, we can add more to his offensive game. We can give him a jumper, but he's always he's all. All, always going to be one of the best perimeter defenders in this class and he's got all the physical t- kind of tools you want um, again I, this is actually a question I, I think I'm going to throw back to you guys because I, I'm very interested but I think that they're probably not looking at taking huge swings in this draft considering that uh, they've already got what looks to be some some stars in Jonathan Isaac and I think they're super happy with the Cole Anthony pick I think that was awesome um, you know when we went on the podcast last year I would have never thought he was going to be available to you guys and I think that that was awesome awesome i think that markel fultz is obviously shows a lot of star potential um so so i i kind of think that with the eighth pick they're probably looking at trying to hit a single or a double and probably not trying to go strike out or home run but i actually want to throw that out to you guys um just kind of generally in this draft particularly with uh with two top 10 picks are you looking for the magic to like try to hit a home run and get a superstar and and maybe crash out or would you rather them take uh, two safe players or take one swing and one safe player. I'm, I'm really interested what, uh, what your feel is and how they should approach this. Well, my feel is uh, they should trade up to two and draft Jalen Green if possible. That's, <laughs> that's what I would prefer them to do over anything else. Outside of that, I think I want to see them kind of try to do both. I want them to try to hit a home run with one of the guys and then whichever it is, five or eight or vice versa, and the other guy needs to be more of the safe bet. So I think that's really why a lot of Magic fans, myself, Luke included, have been really high on Moses Moody, especially at eight where, you know, you kind of he's in a lot of the other mock drafts that you see that he's closer to that range. Obviously, you believe that he's the, you know, might be the fifth best player in the draft. So Luke and, you know, myself, we could absolutely be wrong on that. Um, but I think that's why we were so high on Moody is because even if he doesn't reach that Bradley Beal ceiling, regardless, we all think he's going to be a really, really good NBA player. Uh, Luke, what about you? Yeah, I think that the biggest thing with us, Jonathan, has been, you know, has been that whole that theory, right? The the Magic need to, you know, try to hit a home run with the fifth pick, and then and then you know on the flip side be much safer at, with the eighth pick. I think in this role, you could you know go safe pick with Moody at five because let's be honest, uh, you know uh, Jamal Mosley said that you know one of the things he wants to play with is space, right? Moses Moody fits that line of thinking. 
Mo and Jamal Mosley is going to have a hand and and have you know some say in who gets drafted on draft night because it's his team. It's how he wants to play and how he wants to you know coach these guys. So I think if he puts a, a something in their ear, uh, the front office's ear about, hey, let's 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 go Moody at five or I, I want Moody really bad and they know that, then maybe they do go with him at five. And I honestly I wouldn't I wouldn't really mind if Moody gets taken at five. He's a guy that I want, so why not take him at five instead of eight? And not and you know, not risk that, you know, he gets picked at six or seven and then all of a sudden you're you're sat you're like you're he, you're sat that you're you're with nothing essentially when it comes to that eighth pick, like comparatively to what we really wanted. Um, because it, it seems like right now it's Moody or Book Knight and, and Eric will get into that comparison for sure and just comparing those guys. But yeah, I wouldn't be mad at Moody at five. Um, you know, Johnson at eight would be interesting. He's one of the guys that you know when we talked about it a few episodes ago, Jonathan. He's one of the guys that you know you write down great defender and then you come back and you cross it out and put incredible defender. And that's exactly what I did. He's one of those guys, and he does fit kind of what the Magic believe in, and and uh, one of those things being defense. So. So yeah, I, I think that I, I have no problem with that, with going you know two safer picks at five and eight. Because the other thing is, Jonathan, the other biggest thing we've talked about is how many players is too many players to develop. And if you are so focused on developing, you know, a certain group of guys, other guys get overlooked. They ended up getting tra- end up getting traded anyway because you know they haven't developed and you haven't been able to put toward the time and dedication. I mean, that's a lot of guys we're talking about the match need to develop. So if you pick two safe guys who can come in, contribute right away off the bench, um, eventually make their way into the starting lineup at some point, maybe, um, then yeah, why why not why not do that? All right, pretty interested uh, defensively here too. By uh, uh, what the what the Markel Fultz Cole Anthony backcourt is going to be in the future, and that's another kind of reason where like someone like a Keon Johnson, uh, someone who you could play, you know, uh, beside either of those guys, maybe not starting, but but coming off the bench just to insulate those guys defensively. So maybe I value uh, value that role where at, at some point, uh, if one of those guys, whether it's Anthony, whether it's Markel Fultz, doesn't become a great defender or a capable defender, maybe you need a guy like Johnson in there to to shore that up. So that's another another kind of reason that I feel that fit my work. All right, let's go ahead and take a quick break. All right, guys, the Olympics, Euros, baseball, major championships, and concerts are all in this summer. You know what isn't? A wild and hairy bush. Tame yourself below the belt with help from our friends at Manscaped, the leaders in below-the-waist grooming. Their fourth-generation performance package includes the brand-new Lawnmower 4.0. If an athlete treats their body like royalty, why not treat yours like Olympic gold? Fellas, do right by your boys and join the 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped by going to manscaped.com with the code 6th. That's S-I-X-T-H at manscaped.com. The world is starting to open and the Performance Package 4.0 from Manscaped is here to help you get ready. Inside, you'll find their Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, Weed Whacker ear and nose hair trimmer, Crop Preserver ball deodorant, Crop Reviver toner, plus two free gifts, Performance Boxer Briefs, and the Shed Travel Bag. Talk about a world-class dismount into a post-quarantine world. This package is the perfect package for your package and peak performance in whatever sport you desire. So guys, get 20% off in free shipping with the code 6th at manscaped.com. That's 20% off in free shipping with the code 6th, S-I-X-T-H, at manscaped.com. Achieve pubic glory this year with Manscaped. All right, guys, we are back with Eric Fawcett here uh, of NBA Draft 
covering the NBA draft for NBA Canada, Australia, India, and Japan. So, Eric, you mentioned that you you know why you like Moody at five, why you like Keon Johnson at eight. What is it that you see or, or perhaps don't see in a Jonathan Kaminga or Scotty Barnes as to why you know you don't have the magic taking one of those guys at five? Uh, the thing about Jonathan Kaminga, and you know, I I get why he's enticing for sure. Uh, but again, I kind of look at his archetype of a player and I think a lot of people are like, okay, raw athletic long wing, uh, which is great, but I watch his game and you know, does he have really good athleticism? Yes. Does he have elite athletic athleticism? I don't think so. Yeah. You look at his frame. Does he have good size? Uh, yeah, he has good size and length. Does he have elite size and length? No, he doesn't. I don't, I don't think he's as, as, as long and, uh, and bouncy as, as a lot of people kind of think he is. So it's like, if you're going to make a play, especially at the fifth overall pick, uh, there's, there's been players that have worked out in the past by, by saying, Hey, who is the longest wing and the most athletic wing in the draft? Let's gamble on that guy. But if you put Jonathan Kaminga against them, I just don't, I, he would be the, the least tall, the least long, the least athletic of, of all those guys. So to then see that, yeah, the jump shots, definitely a problem the fact that he doesn't really shoot free throws well which doesn't speak very well to him long term uh yeah i just there's times for me where i would take swings on that archetype of a player but jonathan kaminga just just isn't that guy for me so you know if the magic take him at five could you talk yourself into being enticed by him and and excited about it yeah absolutely you should be but uh, uh, for me, it's it's pretty easy for him to uh, to slide down to to where I have him, and uh, I, I do think the magic would be would be better off passing on him. But but Scotty Barnes, on the other hand, I, I really do love Scotty Barnes. Uh, someone who I think is just like there's so often guys that come in there, you know, six foot nine and can handle the ball, and people say, oh, it's a six nine point guard. And like if you actually watch their film, it's like okay, he gets a rebound and he dribbles down the court with his right hand in a straight line and gives up the ball to a guard. And it's like wow, look him handle the ball um but i mean man with with scotty barnes it's like legitimately putting the ball through his legs putting the ball behind his back his head's up the whole time anytime there's a cutter he hits them his assist to turnover ratio is fantastic uh he controls pace so well and can speed up and slow down like a much smaller guard or like uh, like luka Doncic. um so i i really am enticed by his ability to handle the ball um for his ability to to initiate offense and of course defensively uh someone who you can switch up and down the lineup and he's going to excel guarding like three or four of those positions my, my one concern is yeah is if the jump shot doesn't totally work out um is he something approximating ben simmons it's like yeah and is that a great player yeah i love ben simmons and i'm higher on ben simmons than a lot of people but uh you know what's what's ben simmons trade value right now like do you uh, what what uh, of course there's teams that want him but uh what kind of value are you getting on that from from the fifth overall pick versus like again let's go back to moses moody if he just shoots 37 percent from the field or from the three-point line i should say and is uh and guards his position well well every year you see guys you see teams paying ridiculous amounts of assets for three and d wings so i think just from a from an asset standpoint and by maximizing the value of that pick uh maybe scotty barnes just isn't the highest kind of value guy uh though he could very well end up being being a stud so uh of the two kind of upside plays that i'm sure are the most commonly talked about with the magic not so high on kaminga uh definitely high on scotty barnes and that would still be an excellent pick 
pick. And uh, if somehow it was Scotty Barnes at five and you were able to get Moses Moody at eight, to be honest, to me, that would be, uh, that'd be a pretty awesome uh, haul for the Magic. Uh, but uh, for me, it's still uh, just kind of the, the safer pick of Moody with maybe similar ceiling, but he's got a higher floor. Uh, but yeah, still, still definitely a, a Scotty Barnes fan. But for, for you guys, who do you like more out of the, uh, the upside plays? Luke? Well, I wanted to, to ask you real quick here, Eric, before we get to that. Um, you know, we've had, we had, you know, we put out there that we were having you on the show uh, today and, you know, told people just throw your questions at us. We'll pick some here and there. This actually goes, you're talking about Scotty Barnes there for a minute. Uh, it goes into what I was talking about. Um, but Simon Chamberlain on Twitter said, more I hear about Barnes, the more I like. What would he bring to the Magic's game that maybe we don't currently have on the roster uh is there anything that you that jumps out at you about what barnes would bring to the table eric that you know we don't currently see the magic have well as much as i really do love cole anthony and markel fultz i don't think that either of them are like elite playmakers and i don't think they're maybe um elite at finding shots for their teammates and uh yeah i mean have the magic really had a great distributor since the great shelvin mack i mean that's the the question that we are still gonna have the great <laughs> oh, the, the great <laughs> So we need another dime, dime dropper, dropper of Shelvin Mack, of Mack um, you know, caliber. <laughs> so, uh, you know, dare I say, Scotty Barnes could be a better dime dropper than Shelvin Mack. So, uh, but in all seriousness, oh um, again, while, while, I, while I love... I love Cole Anthony and, and Markel Fultz. I, I'm imagining. Can you imagine with if you've got uh, uh, you've got Scotty Barnes with the basketball um, running point, and then you've got on either side of the floor pin down screens being set by Jonathan Isaac or and Chuma Okiki for for Cole Anthony and Markel Fultz. Seeing those guys getting curling off screens and Scotty Barnes, a great passer, um, getting getting those guys shots off movement or finding cutters. Jonathan Isaac sets a back screen for Cole Anthony. Everyone's concerned with a jump shot. Scotty Barnes finds him perfect for an alley-oop um, I think to be able to have a big passer like that I, I think just makes so much sense so um, I could definitely see the fit for for Scotty Barnes and um, there's definitely reason to be excited by him if uh, if the magic were to take him now as you know as we see year in year out in the playoffs you know the further you go into the postseason a lot of times the more and more the game slows down, you know, especially like in the half court. Do you have any concerns with Scotty Barnes' potential at the playmaking and, and really ball handling and perhaps even, even as a primary scoring option in the half court? Yeah, and I mean, that that right there would be the question about his ceiling and about his value long term. Um, and again, I made the Ben Simmons comparison, and I, I do think it's a, a fair one for his high-end outcome, which again, if you if you get a, a Ben Simmons with the, well, let's say, fifth overall pick for the Magic, that's still that's still a great pick. There's no question. But uh, we see guys like that getting played out of the, the playoffs all the time. Uh, you need to be able to hit shots uh, in the playoffs when the whistles tighten and they aren't going to give you that touch foul going to the hoop, which is why we've kind of seen some of these physical big driving players they haven't been as successful in the playoffs when they're not getting to the line all the time or when they miss key free throws so you know luke mentioned one of my favorite stats for looking at any player um earlier in the draft it, it's shooting off the dribble and that's something that i think is so important to the nba game with the way that defenses are so tight if you're going to get a shot off you're not going to be able to just sit in the corner get your feet set catch and shoot those those shots happen sometimes but uh not as much especially in the playoffs you need guys that can take a couple of bounces create shots and uh and hit them and uh is is scotty parnes that guy well no he's not he's going to be able to get a shot off because he's tall um but he's not a great shooter and i'm not sure how much you want him taking those shots um and again that's what all kind of funnels back to my love of a player like moses moody because 
thinking about these players, Scotty Barnes could really be an awesome, awesome NBA player, but you could still be wondering in a couple of years in the playoffs, uh, man, are we going to be able to keep him on the floor in the final five minutes of the fourth quarter of a playoff game um, with a player like Moses Moody? I don't think you're wondering about that whatsoever. So uh, again, that's something that is important, Jonathan, and I think it's uh, it's smart that you brought that up. Yeah, and Eric, we're going to kind of move into strictly our, our fan questions that we've got here for you. Uh, before we get into the debate of Moody versus Book Night, because I will say uh, I, I'm putting like who asked what question after everything. Uh, for Moody versus Book Night, I just put everybody. That's <laughs> right. It seems to be a lot of the questions we got. But I before we dive into that um, and things about those guys individually, specifically Book Night, since we've talked a lot about Moody, uh, Daniel Mortensen uh, the third from Twitter said thoughts on Shangun. This is a guy that Jonathan is. He loves. He loves, he loves it. He loves Shangun. He loves him, but but he also has been on record saying, "I don't know if I've got the cojones to pick him at eight over the guys that'll be available." But I wouldn't. I'd be in the back of the room rubbing my hands together if Shangun got picked, and that's what Jonathan has said on record. So, on Eric, record. what are your thoughts on him? And uh, are you about to uh, you know move Jonathan away from that a little bit, or are you gonna just kind of fuel the fire for him? Oh, I'm fueling the fire. I'm, I'm a big Shangun fan. Uh, I'm a big fan of guys who are able to do really well in some of the best leagues in the world. Like, I mean, the Turkish league is fantastic. One of the best leagues in the world, full of ex-NBA players and guys who could currently play in the NBA. And he was a 17 and 10 guy, uh, which does not, again, if you look back in the history of that league, that doesn't happen. Um, we we saw with like Luka Doncic when he dominated the second best league in the world that it's like oh yeah like we don't need to see him do it against you know Missouri State in the you know Valley Conference in in, in college basketball to know he's a good pick it's like uh, no like see these guys kind of perform against professionals that's huge so the the other thing with Sangoon I with Sangoon I I think that so many people hear his style of play and they think oh he's you know he's a dinosaur because he's mostly getting it done in the paint on the block with his back to the basket. I think that when people hear that, they maybe have an image of Shangun in his head that is like totally inaccurate. Like if you actually look at his body, you look at the way he moves, he's he's a athletic looking dude. Uh, he moves really well. And like he scores on the block because it's how he wins basketball games. Like you saw him face up at times and you saw him shoot jump shots and he was pretty effective at it. He was just trying to win basketball games. And the way he realized he could do that was with his footwork and strength and touch on the inside. So I think when he goes to the NBA game, he's going to go away from that less. And he's, he, he's not going to need to rely on that because he's really talented uh, in a lot of other ways. I, I think he can shoot the basketball watching his free throws stroke I think he's going to be able to stretch it to three soon so uh yeah I, I mean I'm going to gamble on a player that uh, uh was really productive in a great league and uh I think is a lot more athletic than people think so would I be uh <laughs> would I draft him at eight I, ca- I can't quite get there but man if uh, the magic want to be really bold on draft night I would uh I, I would applaud that would be uh, that'd be a lot of fun as everyone's screaming and just thinking you know the the world <laughs> is burning when the magic take Shangun at eight I'll just be sitting there in the back to myself, not saying a word. I'll be excited. I will be excited. I I see a lot of potential. Um, Like you said, he dominated in one of the best leagues in the world outside of the NBA. And again, like the the shooting stroke, Luke and I talked about this on our draft prospect breakdown uh, a few weeks ago. The shooting stroke does not look bad. Like when you look at a guy like Scotty Barnes or even like a Jonathan Kaminga, you're like, that needs work. Like what I'm just seeing with my eyes, regardless of the result, whether or not it goes through the net, 
you you look at Shangoon and you're like that just is pleasing to the eye. So I'm very happy to hear you say that. So, uh, Luke, I think you've got yeah. uh, we got some more questions here. Yeah, yeah, we got some more here. So uh, now we're going to dive into Book Night Moody debate, uh, but also kind of just want to talk a little bit more individually about Book Night first. Uh, Theo Giannini, I hope I pronounced that right, uh, one of uh, our listeners from the UK uh, messaged us and said, do you think Book Night has star score potential or not? Uh, yeah, potential. Absolutely. And I can see why people are, are enticed by it. He is a really kind of like slippery, crafty guy off the dribble, like a lot of head fakes, a lot of hesitations. Uh, that stuff is, uh, is, is pretty pleasing to the eye. Uh, one might say he's not just a basketball player. He's a hooper. Um, he's got a little bit of that, uh, that shake to him. <laughs> and, um, uh, so, so the potential is, is certainly there. Uh, but again, with, with the, the whole thing with, uh, with book night right now is it's always been with him a lot more. He's, he's always been a lot more prospect than player. Like you see those flashes of like brilliance with his, you know, scoring potential and his, and his, his offensive electricity, electricity and flash. Uh, but at the same time, just someone who like, you just like, a lot of the shots aren't falling. A lot of the floaters spill out. Um, a lot of the really nice crossovers are uh, right after it. He dribbles the ball off his foot. So uh, potential there. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, but uh, will it come together? That's still to be determined. And do you think, Eric, uh, his player comparison, um, what do you think it would be for the floor and ceiling of book night uh, that comes from Tyler Finello asking this question uh, because then somebody else uh, holiday three one six seven five said um, you know is book night a star in the making or is he Jordan Clarkson two point oh um, so kind of where do you find you know book night being on your your floor and ceiling in terms of NBA player comparisons. <laughs> I, I mean, I feel like Jordan Clarkson was just used as a bit of a slight right there. Let's remember he just obviously, you know, won six man of the year. Uh, but I mean, that is a pretty good player comparison. Um, I think at the floor, like, man, I, I mean, the, the floor would be like Dion Waiters, a guy who doesn't shoot the ball that well, but is still going to be in there, you know, trying to get his. And and again, there was times where that really worked for like Dion Waiters. Um, and then obviously, ultimately, uh, the lack of defense and the lack of shooting was what did him in. And, and that is the situation with book, book Night right now. He's got good athletic in good length but he's not a good defender not a you know train wreck of a, of a defender but uh, not a great one and he doesn't shoot the ball that well so he's so reliant on those um, you know shimmy shake hesitation drives to the hoop which uh, are going to work sometimes um, but but you know not all the time so I, I kind of see again like like an Anthony Simons from from Portland and again a guy who's exploded for some big scoring games and has also been kind of unplayable in some playoff games so uh, that's kind of what again that's kind of my feel for book night like, like and again here's the thing with book night his his whole story as a basketball player he like wasn't super highly recruited out of high school and then he played in one big aau tournament and played awesome he was really really good and then right after that he got injured so there was a lot of these high major teams that were like oh man this guy out of nowhere uh, kind of hidden gem he looked awesome uh let's offer him and then obviously yeah goes to uconn a really good program then he gets injured to start the season uh, then it's like, oh, well, you know, he played, there's this big time recruit, he's injured, um, but he, you know, when he comes, he's going to be really good. And then he joins the season midway, plays really well. Then he gets injured again next season. Um, and then he comes back and he plays pretty well. So there's a, a lot of like, again, there's always been these flashes, but there's, all, he's never really had to put it together kind of 
he's never been able to put it all together. And it's always been, of course, I don't want to blame him for having injuries, but there's just so much of people who kind of like saw him once here or there. And it's just like, Oh man, that, you know, he's pretty nice as an offensive player, but he's never really put it together. And, and again, a lot of the advanced analytics are not kind to him. He's uh, uh you, you know, like I said, where, where Moses Moody looks really good with things as a, as a driver off the ball, as a cutter off the ball, especially as a pick and roll ball handler uh, with James book book night. He is a uh, well below average college um, pick and roll ball handler uh you don't like to see that from a guard uh he doesn't shoot well off of movement we know that uh he did have good moments as a cutter and that's what really got him a lot of points at the college level but you know how many guys in the nba are making livings off off scoring off cuts uh not too many of them especially guards maybe if you're clint capella you're scoring a whole lot of cuts uh, but probably not james booknight so uh, again there's a lot to be kind of excited about when you watch james booknight kind of like showcase his shiftiness and his hesitation moves and 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 all that but uh but on the whole i i mean again talking about it with compared to moses moody i mean one's a better shooter one's bigger one's more consistent one's a better pick and roll ball handler one's better without the ball in his hands i mean it's it's it you can call it a debate but i'm pretty comfortable on uh, on team moody here eric are we sure that detroit does not want to take moses moody number one overall are we sure <laughs> you've got to make you've got to make that call you know uh maybe maybe they're no. ready to move uh, you know <laughs> magic can so draft them and then we, we and don't then have moves yeah 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 we we don't have uh many questions left here eric um i think that kind of settles the the moody versus book night debate uh i do want to throw this in just because uh who we refer to often on the show as best friend drew uh drew gooden uh submitted a question uh for you um, and, and he actually had a good thought. I mean, I, I think that the thought is correct in terms of like there, and it does show me like there's a ton of options between five and eight of ways that like this doesn't go wrong for Orlando. Um, and he drew as someone who inevitably, like inevitably is take is drinking the Kool-Aid of, of James book Knight and, and what everybody is saying about him and the hype around him. He says uh, thoughts on book Knight at five. I don't think he is there at eight. And if we take him at five, either Moody Barnes or Kaminga will still be on the board and you just take whoever's left at that point. What do you think about that, Eric? Uh, I mean, in fairness, if book Knight is, is, uh, if he's taken that early, then like, yeah, you're, you're shaking up the draft and you're probably getting a Kaminga or, um, or a Moody at eight. So, uh, I mean, the, the logic is, is, is definitely there. I mean, there's, it's, it's just kind of funny to me, just in the sense that, you know, I, I'd rather have Moody and I think you could get Moody at five and book night at eight. Of course, he's suggesting you right, go the right. other way around and get both. The logic um, kind of works both so, ways. Yeah. So the logic does it. So it, so it is fundamentally sound. And Hey, if you, I, I, again, I, I am someone who, um, if you know, if you're the magic and you love book night, I do think you should probably take him at five. Like I, again, I know it's people are may, Some GMs are terrified of going off the board and getting roasted for it and maybe losing their job down the line. Um, but I think people are starting to see more and more now that, um, these mock drafts that everyone puts before the season, there, there's no more consensus like there used to be. You know, five or six years ago, everyone's mock drafts looked pretty much the same. And then on draft night, it shook out just that way. Uh, we're seeing that teams are now starting to, to think on their own. And uh, and I think you're seeing less mistakes because of it. So so yeah, if you're the Magic and you like Book Night, um, yeah, you probably should take him at five if you if you really love him. Uh, do I have him still there at eight? You know, I personally do, but uh, that's, that's obviously not gospel. So yeah, go ahead, Magic. Like find the best player that you really want take him at five and uh you know you'll still probably get an awesome option at eight 
Yeah, and and kind of the I'll kind of group this question together, even though they're about different players. Um, I, I'll pretty much just ask you. Someone said, you know, is is eighth pick too big of a swing for Zaire Williams? So I guess I'll ask you, and all we'll need to know by this answer is, where do you have Zaire Williams at in your draft? <laughs> uh, I have Zaire Williams twenty first. Um, not a big Zaire Williams guy. Um, I would say that, uh, you know, high end outcome is he's like Jaden McDaniels from, from last year's draft, you know, and Jaden McDaniels actually ended up working out pretty good. But, uh, Zaire Williams is kind of like James Booknight, except to a more extreme example where Zaire Williams has always been kind of big prospect, not so much a player. He's always been more prospect than player has never really been able to, to be effective on the court. But at the same time, Williams is a guy who's six foot nine and, and, and has flashes of great shot making. And I mean, that's the apex predator in, in today's NBA is guys who are six foot nine and can make shots. So, uh, man, uh, that would be pretty, pretty bold at eight. I think if you really love Zaire Williams, I would, I would hope the Magic could have a, a trade down scenario and, and, and get an asset and still get the guy they would want instead of taking him at eight. So, uh, yeah, for me, Zaire Williams, that's, uh, that's, uh, yeah, I've got him 21st and, and I even wonder if I have him a little bit too high there. Mm. So it's safe to say that we, he does not have him at eight to the magic. So uh, Eric, I wanted to ask you um, one last thing before we before we let you go here. Who are your quote unquote sleepers in this year's draft that people may not be thinking about? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, uh, I know we uh, we talked uh, Shangun, who's uh, you know we all love and well you love at least. Luke was a little bit you know not so sure, but a player that I really love, I've got him going 18th. Most people have him going a little bit a little bit later than that. Is LSU's Cam Thomas? He was probably the best pure scorer in the draft. Uh, someone who again doesn't shoot the ball super well, and I think that's that's why people don't love him. Um, but you know he was a 20 plus point per game scorer in the SEC, awesome conference, and going against some great athletic defenders and Cam Thomas was just getting bucket after bucket after bucket and again I look at a player like uh like James Booknight who people are some people are saying oh like you know pure bucket getter but uh, doesn't shoot the ball pretty well and we might want to draft him at five I'm kind of looking at Cam Thomas and I, I do think that James Booknight is definitely a better prospect than Cam Thomas but you know Cam Thomas might end up being like right there and he's a guy that a lot of people have mocked in the 20s so Cam Thomas is definitely a guy to watch for on draft night but kind of more realistically uh let's look in a in a couple of years and see where cam thomas is i'm going to bet that he is uh outperformed wherever he gets drafted uh but and then another guy that i absolutely love i've got him going much higher than a lot of other people is chris duarte from oregon um some people might know his name as definitely the oldest player in the draft He's 24 years old, uh, so I know a lot of teams are really going to be scared off by that. But again, looking at some of the advanced numbers I love, like shooting off the dribble, like shooting off of screens um, and shooting off movement, he performs really, really well in those numbers. And again, 40% three-point shooter, six foot five, really tough defender, can score off the bounce. Um, Chris Duarte is definitely a name that, that I love. And again, most people have him mocked in the 20s. Um, I've got him going 12th, and I, I think he's going to be, well, it, it's less of a hot take because a lot of people had him in the 20s and you know he just got invited to to the green room so i think that that suggests that maybe i'm going to be a little bit more right than some other people who have him in the 20s but uh we'll see on draft night and who do you have um luke and i spent most of if not all of our attention towards the top of the lottery who do you have uh, going to the magic at 33 
Uh, this is a pick I would just love so much for the Magic. Um, will he be there? I'm not totally sure. I, I mean, obviously, I have him there. Uh, but that's Iowa's Joe, uh, Joe Wieskamp. He's a player that, again, people might have heard recently because he was just like an NBA Combine All-Star. Uh, he's a, he measured at six foot seven and a quarter. And he measured with like a 42 inch vertical and he was like an absolutely ridiculous shooter in college. Uh, He hit 46% of his threes last season on over five attempts per game. So like good volume and he hit 46% of his threes. And yes, when you can get a six foot seven shooter, 42 inch vert and 46% three point shooter. I mean, if you can get that guy at 33, uh, that's who I've got mocked to them. And and, and I think that would be awesome because again, at, at pick 33, that's still in the range where like you're really just hoping you have a guy that's an NBA player who's going to stick around for a while. Um, absolute specialist in in, in, in Wieskamp, and uh, I would love if he was there for you guys. Well, we're excited about the draft we've got now. What is it? Uh, about eight days to the draft, so we're really excited about that. Um, if you guys don't already know, uh, we are going to have our NBA draft lottery party, or draft party, I should say, um, that night, the 29th. We'll be at Harry Buffalo right across the street from the Amway Center at 5 o'clock, 645. We'll head over to the Amway. So uh, I don't think Eric will be in town for that. But if you are, please feel free to come out. But Eric, always appreciate this, man. Your expertise, your insight. Very, very impressive. Very, very much appreciated. This was a lot of fun, man. Thank you so much. Do you want to tell everyone where they can find you on social media? Well, first of all, if I'm in Orlando, you know you'll be getting the Disney invite from me. Um, I just, oh, sorry, well, Luke, I appreciate but, that. Uh, At least someone <laughs> will, Eric. That means that means a lot. Eric, uh, any interest in co-hosting an Orlando Magic podcast <laughs> while we have you here? Uh, you know, I, 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 no, seriously. not for now. We'll let we'll let Luca hold this on for now, and you know. If you need right, a seventh right. man, seventh mind. man podcast, maybe in the future. But I uh, know. Thank you. Uh, you can find me at Efos at seven on Twitter. Uh, yeah, my mock draft will be up at the time that uh, that everyone's listening to this. Um, it's I've got the full two rounds, and I've got words on every single player, not just the lottery, not just the uh, the first round. There'll be words on every player if you're looking to uh, to get to know uh, a bunch of the names before uh, before the draft. But uh, uh, thanks again, guys, uh, for you know doing this the second year in a row. I can only hope that we uh, do it for a third next year. Well, you and I will be here. Luke, you know, we'll, we'll kind of figure out if Luke's going to be here or not next year. We'll see if I get the Disney invite next year. But again, Eric, thank you so much. And again, you guys know where you can find Eric. Oh, please check out all of his stuff. Again, from what you've heard from this podcast, you can tell his insight expertise is incredible. But for Luke and Eric, this has been Jonathan. You guys are listening to The Six Man Show, and we will catch you guys next time. See ya. Thanks for listening to The Six Man Show. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher to get new episodes downloaded directly to your phone. Please take a minute to give us a five-star rating and a review. It would really help us out a lot. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Six Man Show and like us on Facebook. We'll catch you guys next time. Go Magic!